This one, this episode 228 Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels from 1998. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode's brought to you by Barrel Brothers Brewing Company. They firmly believe if you aren't having fun at work or life in general, you should probably be doing something else. Shout out to the Barrel Brothers. Shout out to the Barrel Brothers, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be talking about Lane Middleton's patron pick, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. But before we get there, Joe, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we last spoke? I don't know. I haven't been up to super, super much. We have just been finishing up uh, Kim's Convenience, Mm -hmm. which is actually really awesome. It's like super, super wholesome. I know that that's probably not on like, you know, your giant. Well, no, I've heard actually have a question for you because I've heard really good things about that. Which do you again, keeping in mind, I'm not going to get to any anytime soon, either anytime soon. Do you think I would like Kim's Convenience or Schitt's Creek more? Schitt's Creek is definitely funnier. Kim's Convenience is is um, way more wholesome. Okay, okay. Like if you want something that you're just like, oh, you feel warm inside watching it and it's like a sitcom, but like the stakes are very, very low. Mm hmm. It's perfect for that. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so it's not like anything crazy. I don't think that like I laugh hysterically at it, but um, at the same time, like I have fun watching it, and we blew through it, right? It's very gentle on your brain. So um, that was fun. Um, we finished Love Is Blind, caught up on the after party, but mostly just relaxing for the past couple of days, just like taking it easy. Oh, I have something. I do have something cool to tell you that I didn't tell you. Okay. So my dad was all excited. And he recently went and bought that. Oh, let me take a look. Whoa, okay. Yeah, he got a 53 Chevy Bel Air. Looks very two-lane blacktoppy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so he got that, and he's really excited about it. He, like, has found these, like, like old paper pennies. He's, he's an old guy that doesn't have a cell phone, right? We've talked about this. Yeah. So he found, like, old paper penny savers near where he has his camp, it's a bunch of old guys that don't know how to post on the internet. So they are constantly like posting cars and stuff. And he just calls and like harasses these old guys that are like 80 about their cars. And then he goes and, you know, buys them for cash and stuff. But this is what he's been doing. He's been like chasing all of these cars all around um, that are near where he is. Yeah. He went and found that. It looks pretty good, right? Like it's pretty clean for being what, 80 years old? Yeah, did you tell him to make it three yards, motherfucker, and we'll have an automobile race? <laughs> no, I did not. But, um, so he's been really amped on that, and that's what pretty much all I've been up to. I'm, I'm sharing a vicarious story through him that is semi-appropriate. Yeah, for sure. But, Any uh, Oscar Best Picture updates or no? Because we're in the month, ooh, month of. I know, we're in the month of. I was waiting for Coda to come back in theaters. Um, no, but we said, like, you know, a lot of these are available digitally. I'm waiting to see if I can get tickets for them. So that's why I'm kind of holding off. It's nothing crazy, but, like, that's what I've... That's why I've been, like, kind of postponing them. I'd rather see them in theaters, right? And unlike you, I missed a lot of them, so... Yeah, like, I, I watched the ones that I could see at home at home. Like, I just saw Coda at home. I watched this weekend... I completed the checklist. I watched Don't Look Up because I'm just like, I'm not going to go like if I can see them in theaters, I will. But yeah, if I can see it at home legally, conveniently free, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go push it or whatever. So I get it. But yeah. So you have, what, you have you've seen three of the 10 or four? Oh, uh, no, I'm Dune, at, let me Nightmare see Alley, Belfast. Yeah. So I'm Liquor's at four Pizza. of I'm Yeah, I'm at four of the 10. 
And then, you know, some other, like, you know, random side sure, yeah, ones. Yeah. You know, animated, whatever, whatever. But, yeah. So I'm at four of the ten so far. But, yeah, we're, we're getting into the month now, so... It'll almost be time. Cool. Yeah. I watched Don't Look Up on Saturday, so that was my last one. So now there's a couple more that I want to see, like, actor ones, which I think is probably like what you're talking about. Like, I want to see Parallel Mothers, and I want to see Tick, Tick, Boom, and Being in the Ricardos, and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think those are the four that I have left that are, like, sort of heavy. At least the actor, best actor, best actress, and supporting. Yeah. Like, those are the ones that I think I'll pretty much have, like, all the big ones cover and also flee what's also cool about it is that like a lot of these movies like drive my car just hit hbo max today oh yeah that's right that's right you told me that yeah, yeah. there's a couple that are like okay this is cool like there's i like the oscars are later and things are getting to video shorter because like i mean i've seen all these now but for people you know either people like you who wait to see or just people who like don't go to the movies you can still you can see it before it comes out like it actually kind of means more right so it's it's cool it was it was rough there for a couple years before pandemic i mean not the pandemic wasn't rough, but it was rough there for a couple of years before pandemic because what was happening was is like a lot of these movies would have left theaters but only been on screeners but not digital yet. But then you'd have to wait until like pretty much the week of for them to like come back in a small theater. So, right. yes, I do much prefer this way. It's awesome. Yeah. It's better for everyone, I think. Yeah, for sure. Also on Saturday, I had uh, some friends over, including friend of the show, Melissa Lynham. She came over to cool. meet the kittens. That was fun. How'd the kittens do? I know you said kittens they did good. well last time with people. Kittens okay. are very good. Kittens are very sweet. They are they are loving people. They are loving good. attention. That's awesome. All good things. Awesome. Did you know that the Foo Fighters made a horror movie and it's in theaters? Hmm. I might have seen. Is it kind of spoofy? No. Like parody? No, not. No, it's weird. So it's. I, I think I saw them running press for it on, like, the morning news one day. So it sounds vaguely familiar. I can't confirm. Like, I don't remember it. I wouldn't I couldn't have told you that. But I think I saw them on there, and they were like, something, 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 and we have a horror movie coming out. And, it, like, it sounds familiar. But go ahead. Yeah, like, they're making a new album, and they move into this house where a murder took place, and things go weird. And, like, the comedy is terrible. Like, really, really So bad. it's supposed to be parody. Okay. Not really, because, like, it's also a, it's trying to be a legitimate horror movie. It's a, it's a comedy if you love the Foo Fighters, because it's like, oh, look at these okay. bandmates interacting or whatever. But like, even if it, like I like the Foo Fighters, I don't love the, but like, even if it was like Radiohead, I'd be like, this, what are we doing? Why? Why? But it's also like a hundred times more violent than I expected it to be. Uh, like in the first okay. minute, there's like two like gruesome things. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I did not like it. It's not a great movie. I did get did to you see, see it in theaters. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. It was a private screening experience, not why because I paid for it, but because of lack of interest. I was the only person in the theater on Monday night at seven forty-five. So I've seen a bunch of movies alone in the theaters, just sort of accidentally. I kind of like that. Like when we, whenever we see some of these Oscar movies and like the times we see them and stuff, like we usually see them like, you know, early evening. Most of the time we're alone in the theater and I fucking love it. It's like just you have your own private theater. I have a tag on Letterboxd called Alone in the Theater. I've seen at least six movies in theaters alone. So, you know, I, I mean, I've that seen hundreds tracked. of movies, but like, yes, yeah, 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 for sure. And yes. also that you've tracked, like Correct. since you've had Letterboxd, since you remember, things like that. Yeah. Yep. Continue on the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, still loving that. Watch The Last Boy Scout, which is a Shane Black movie from 91, which is a very Shane Black movie. Like, it's, it feels like the most Shane Black movie. It's about, uh, oh. like, a football scandal and legalized sports betting scandal sort of thing. So I think that might be up your alley. It's also very Ooh. violent and very Shane Black. So it's not streaming anywhere. I bought it on Blu-ray in a two-pack for 10 bucks. So, but it's Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. So pretty good. Pretty solid. 
That's a good cast, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then I started rewatching the Wachowskis because I'm just like going through the director. So I watched Bound, which was their first movie before they did The Matrix. Because I think they wanted to do The Matrix. They're like, well, let's let's before you do this crazy high concept thing, like let's see you can actually make a movie. So it's like a a little crime thriller, which is good. So I, I like that. I've seen that before. I've seen all their stuff before, but watch that again. There was one. Oh, video games because Duke was talking to me about. It. So I bought Elden Ring, which I was teasing last time. Oh yeah, Matt's it's super into it. Yeah, so hard. I have so many friends. Like I have friends who are like 40, 50 hours into it. I'm just like, yeah, I've spent like eight hours, which for me is a lot. Uh, it's very hard. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm learning as I go. I bought. I beat my first two bosses last night. Not like so. There's bosses all over the place. There's food all over the place. Food all over the place. Bosses all over the place. Everything. (laughs) The first main boss that you have to to progress the story, I haven't tried in a couple days, but he is brutally difficult. So I found other bosses that I could beat. But basically, just like, you know, mill around. It's kind of like like an open world RPG, kind of like Skyrim, sort of. I don't know. I'm trying to equate it to anything that you would have. This is kind of what, like, Matt... Uh, was saying it's like you know like you wander like if you can't beat what you're trying to fight go beat some other lower things then that's that's i don't know they've been talking about it yeah no because apparently because this is from from software they've made like six or seven games maybe more but they did like all three dark souls and demon souls and sekiro and bloodborne and like yeah apparently all of those were more linear that like you have to beat this boss if you can't beat the boss you have to keep trying to beat the boss and this one's just like you can't beat the boss like go do other stuff and come back later you have to go in a certain order but yes you don't have to slam your head against a wall for hours and hours and hours like you can go like get better equipment and level up and whatever and then come back so i think compared to some of my friends duke is not very far in the game but he's farther than i am so he's been you know encouraging me from afar but oh, yeah, man, it's, cool. it's great but it's also it's it's so tough so yeah that's what everybody's been saying yeah they've been saying it's like super hard it actually matt said it was like the easiest Right, yes. Like, the that's most also, accessible heard, of yes. the Dark mm-hmm. Souls games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. that sounds like nothing up my alley. You know what I mean? Like, the the last video games Rachel and I have played have been those co-op, like, two-button yep. stupid games, right? Like that, And that's very enjoyable for me. I don't have the patience for long, strenuous video games anymore. Yeah, this is, uh, whoo, whoo boy. But uh, yeah. having fun, enjoying it, so... You know, it's out there. It's it's like everybody. It seems like everybody who wants to play it is playing it. Like like everybody yes. who plays video games basically is talking about it. So yeah. yep, exactly. Uh, tomorrow night is the Batman, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about that next oh, week. You're seeing, yeah. Are you seeing it tomorrow also or Monday? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I'm seeing yeah, it tomorrow okay. as well. Cool. Yeah. We have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Ooh. Party. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, the man of the hour for this episode, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Montez. On that note, um, I totally forgot that I did record an episode of a Lifetime movie called Ten Year Reunion. With which is Brian, out now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is out now. It was seriously even surprising for a Lifetime movie. So we have a lot of fun talking about it. If you like me talking about Lifetime movies and if you like Brian, go listen to it. It was a really fun one. Watch the movie. It has like ridiculous tonal shifts, Joey. Are all those Lifetime movies available on their website? Like, do they have like a streaming platform or no? You have to find it. It's on TV. I think this one was on like Amazon Prime and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think they have like, you know, I have Lifetime Movie Network, but I don't have like on demand for it. I oh, think. this one's on Prime and Tubi and Vudu. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty much everywhere. The the thing that I was wanting to tell you about, like you were saying, like the Foo Fighters. 
at one point this movie just becomes a horror movie when like when it starts it's very strange it's like you know people go back we're all in high school reunions again like the after party and like when people go back like weird shit happens and then it takes like a horror movie turn and it also takes like it's it's strange but anyways it was a lot of fun Cool. Oh, I have one other recommendation. I have it written down here that I forgot to do the other one, but a new Apple. Sh- so as we're recording this, uh, the after party about to wrap up season one, we both recommend that. But there's a new Apple series that is there's three episodes out, I think, yeah. with the fourth coming out on Friday called Severance. Have you heard about this? Have you seen Severance? I've seen uh, the banner for it on Fire TV. OK, yeah, it's Adam Scott. It's kind of like Charlie Kaufman esque, which is a compliment. Um, like he did, like I'm thinking of any things and adaptation and being John Malkovich and all those movies. Like it's very supremely weird. Adam Scott is the star. Also, Britt Lauer. She was in Man Seeking Woman. I love her. She's great. Uh, John Turturro's in it. There's other people that I won't spoil. Oh, uh, Patricia Arquette is in it. Um, it's a good cast. It's really good. It's really well made. It's really creepy. It's it's like an, it's set in an office building, and it's I thought based on like the limited ads and stuff that I'd seen that it was about like after death, but like in the first scene they're like that's not what this is. So like it's a okay. different thing. It's a different thing because like it, it it feels like it looks like and it seems like oh this is what this is. It's not that. So <laughs> I really recommend. It's kind of a thriller, just kind of like a weird. It's it's very very good. Like really really good. And that's one that Bob and I are watching because like we basically watch. You know, when we finish one show, we start another yeah. one every other day or whatever. And, like, he and I are talking, like, this is the first one that we've actually really, both really, really liked since, like, oh. Squid Game. Like, it's been, like, we've had a rocky kind of history. Like, what I've been re- repeating and you know, talking about on here is just, like, things have not been great. But Severance, we're both really into. So check it out on Apple if you have Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, yeah, we do. We, we borrow it from Rachel's parents. So definitely cool. can check that out. That's yeah. cool. We were actually just looking for a new show now that we finished. I mean, like, we're also looking for a new show that's, like, Kim's convenience level of, like, wholesome, gentle, don't have to pay attention to. But, yeah, I that sounds good, too. Have you guys tried Breaking Bad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And, Joe, we have four emails. Well, four things to read. There's three short and then one longer one. So, first up, from Cave Jason Motor Mouse. <laughs> well, the Motor Mouth will not hear it for a while. We'll get there in a second. But... From Jason Dickinson, hey fam, sup? What's up, Jason? How are you doing, buddy? He says, hey fam, hope all is well, I'm doing good. F10 starts filming in April. Can you believe I'm turning 31 this upcoming Wednesday, March 2nd? Oh, today is Jason's birthday, so happy well, birthday. Well, happy birthday, Jason. I'll That's awesome, right now. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, P.S., the Fast and Furious podcast is getting ready to wrap its third lap. Ooh, stay fast, stay furious. Fast Family is forever. Oh, yeah, he changed the name of his podcast, I think. Now it's oh, called cool. the Fast and Furious podcast. Awesome. Good job, Jason. Keep it up, bud, and hang in there. Happy birthday. Then Alex sent in his pick for the well he okay, he sent in a pick for next year's, like this year's laps. And then he was messaging me and I'm just like, I don't want to do that movie. Like it's not a bad movie, but I'm like, I don't like it doesn't make any sense. He's like, I still might do it. So the the one he submitted, I was surprised because it's a great movie. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like an Alex pick. And then he submitted another one that's a great movie, but one that doesn't really fit. It, it's weird. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. And then he's still like is mulling it over. So friendly reminder to the $10 patrons. I've made a post that only they could see on Patreon. Get it in sooner rather than later because we're going to start mapping out lap 11 very soon. Like because it starts next month. Yes. So I want to know. I'm assuming based on the themes, most people are going to pick for next lap as opposed to the lap after. Because in the last in the lap after, we're going to be able to do everything anyway. But I think most of the picks are going to be next lap. So if you want to get it in for lap 11, 
please do it sooner rather than later so I can start building things around. Please and thank you. I posted the Fave of Furious then the last week's episode on YouTube, which there was an error I had to repost it, so we lost this comment. But Jeremy Hall just says, What's up? So What's shout up, out Jeremy? Jeremy. So our last email is a name from a while from the Wayback Machine, but new to Too Fast, Too Forever, subject line finally getting started from Christine Tran. Do you remember Christine from Zack Attack? Yes, I do. How are you doing, Christine? I'm going to look up Christine Tran. She emailed in a couple times, and she was the one who emailed us about Scoob that convinced us to do Scoob, and then yes. we did Scoob. So, but okay. the Scoob was just a run. It was just a running promo for this show. Well, it worked because she says, "Dear Joey and Joe, okay, I have to admit, I haven't actually listened to a single episode of Too Fast, Too Forever yet. I was just really excited about the prospect of listening to it and wanted to write in. I'm planning to watch all the movies first since I haven't seen a single one." But to be honest, this is not my genre of film at all, and I only got through 30 minutes of the first movie last night before taking a break. Okay. That's so, I mean, fair. It you happens. Know, 10 movies, say two hours on average, you are 5% through. Yeah, and at this rate, you'll finish them in like six months or something. It'll yeah. be okay. Wait, is that right? Is that right? No, a what? quarter... Mile at a time. Two and A quarter mile at a time. You're, no, you're two and a half percent. <laughs> yes, quarter mile... You did one quarter mile. You got a lot more quarter miles. Exactly. Maybe you could start a podcast where you break them down in 30-minute increments, because every other increment has already been taken, apparently. <laughs> My favorite part so far was when they introduced the character named Johnny Tran, like her last name, and then immediately cut away to a very Korean man. One day, Hollywood will stop treating all Asian ethnicities like they're interchangeable, but that day is not today, and it certainly wasn't back in 2001. It absolutely was not. Because remember, we're like, what nationality is Johnny Tran? We're like, is he Korean? Is he... And we're like, oh, because Rick Yoon, Rick Yoon is Korean. Tran is Vietnamese? Yeah. That we had a whole conversation, funny. I think, in one of the minutes about like, oh, we all like assumed that he was a different nationality because like the movie's like, you don't need to worry about it. He's just a dude. He's an Asian dude. You got it. We're fine. We're good. Yeah, which is what happens. Yes. Yeah. So she says, so she's right. Yeah, the day is not today. And it certainly wasn't back in 2001. Well, you know, there's other other issues, too. Stay tuned. Keep yeah. watching. 227 episodes is quite a backlog, but I'm sure I'll get caught up eventually. See you in the future. Your longtime fan, Christine Tran. Well, it's always great to hear from you, lady. And uh, I appreciate it. I know you'll never get here or it'll take you years to get here, but it's always good to hear from other other fans. So. Yeah. She says, and by a long time, I really mean, I mean really long that I think about it. I was on spring break in high school when I discovered you guys, and now Ooh. I'm doing interviews for grad school. That's crazy. That, <laughs> you've been with us for a long time. That's very long. And congrats on grad school. There you go. But that's all the emails for today. Family at cageclub.me if you want to email in, and we will read it on the next episode, which will be, spoiler alert, F9. Nope, Hobbs and Shaw. That's how it goes. Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, exactly. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and the Furious. Anything you have seen in the last week? We got the news from Jason about F10 starting in April. The Rock has been, like, openly Twitter flirting with Pat McAfee, so my worlds are going to collide again. Cool. I'm really, really excited. Very cool. Oh, I, I have not really found any news of note, but our favorite movie of the year, Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre, where Jason Statham plays Orson Fortune and Aubrey Plaza's in it, was delayed and no longer has a release date. So not really Fast and Furious news. I don't even know if we'll cover that on the show, but 
I don't think it's been surprisingly little. I mean, again, it's only been a week. It's only a week between these episodes. But like, I, I always sort of assume something will pop up, right? And it didn't. So yeah, same. It's like, I, like that's why I always find like adjacent stuff. But like, you know, I guess we're gonna get more soon as they start shooting. Yeah. Is Dwayne Johnson in F10? The answer, no, but he might be on Pat McAfee soon. Yes, exactly. So still no, but no, 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 no. Before we do the Fast and Furious Minutes, we have the Endgame Season 1, Episode 2. So this is, after all, on Hulu. Hulu's just been slow to the uptake, I guess. But Fairy Tale Wedding, the episode Fairy Tale Wedding. Joe, what do you think of the Endgame? Again, this movie's like very tv uh, I mean, sorry, the show, this movie. Well, it, it is it is very TV because it is TV, but yes. Exactly. Again, I don't mind it. I'm curious to see where it goes. Like, I, I'm intrigued. I'm not like, you have to watch this. I don't think that it's bad. I don't think it's necessarily great. It does have some Fast and the Furious feel to it, though, right? How so? You know, in this episode, we got a kidnapped child. It, she feels very ciphery in the, like, the I'm running everything type situations. And, like, I'm seven steps ahead of everyone. So, like, in that, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that, I guess. I think it's just kind of an icy, mysterious woman villain with without real clear ambitions or motives. Yeah, yet. But I, it's it feels like this one's going to get flushed out. They're leaving us, like, a lot of clues that, like, there is something at play here. Yeah, Where, okay. That's not going to be, well, maybe at the end of the runtime, it will be nine hours of us not knowing what Cypher's doing. Well, I can tell you it's not going to be nine hours of me not knowing what Cypher's doing because I will not be, well, this, it just, when she did the, the password on the bomb thing that was Isaac Bigby, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what is this, what are we doing here? It's well, just, we don't know who Isaac Bigby is, right? Yeah, like, the woman's just like, it was my mom. And it's like, well, we didn't know that. I don't want to piss on anybody's weedies, to use your phrase. If you're enjoying the endgame, if you like the endgame, please continue. But Justin Lin, as far as I can tell, he did not direct the second episode. He's probably, you know, around sort of in the background somewhere. But, you know, I'm going to be happy when we switch over to Young Rock. And once we switch over to Young Rock, I probably will not be continuing the endgame. But, like, if you say, oh, my God, it got so good, you know, you could draw me back in just when they think I was out, pull me back in. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I I don't think that that's it's fine. It seems like a show that's not really for you. I'm not sure who it's for though, because like I'm surprised that you like it. I guess it's just it's 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 like to me it feels like my grandma watching NCIS or something. Right, which I think is how you described it last time. But just like you know, there's just other stuff. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah, it's it's network TV, uh, not cable fodder. The the Rotten Tomatoes, which again I'm not. A th- Huge fan of Rotten Tomatoes, but they praise her vampish performance as commendably campy. They say the show is too contrived and silly to justify its labyrinth and structure. It's just like, why? It's just, it's it's complicated, it feels like, to be complicated. And it's just like, we're, we're so smart. Like, we have all the answers. It's like, well... I don't even think it's so smart. I think they're just drawing out a long story that has many bits and pieces. It's, it's the, like, it is... Every outlet is the chain in the show, right? Like, you're keeping all of the the bits and pieces. Again, not the worst thing I've seen. Just don't love it. But I will watch one more episode for next week, because I think Young Rock starts the week after. So we'll pivot to that. But, you know, just in case, keep it going. Briefly. One more. Because I, I don't know how many there are. 13, it looks like. So, yeah, you know. We were saying last time that maybe episode two will be better, because they didn't have to, like, set so many things up, right? But, like, also... 
a lot of TV shows second episodes are bad because the first episode has like the excitement to bring you in and the second episode kind of has to like reestablish what it's doing to people who didn't watch the first one. And I I don't know that that's necessarily as true anymore in the streaming era where it's just like, oh, I didn't see it, but like it's on Peacock, it's on Hulu, I can just watch it before, right? Like it's not like where before streaming, it's just like, I missed it. I don't have it on my DVR. I guess I'll just watch and try to catch up. So like, it's not like that anymore. But second episodes, I think, are usually less good. So maybe we'll bounce up for the third. You know, if you want to keep watching, if you want to keep chiming in with your endgame updates, Joe's Review Corner here on Too Fast, Too Forever. I think I'm going to keep watching it until I get to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to watch it, but I'm not there yet. Like, it's fine. I think if I knew it was like a miniseries and if it was fewer episodes, I'd be on board. But I think like, because I don't know how you... How would you adapt this to a second season? It just becomes like a thing that's not about the thing. It just becomes like a global ambition, like want to take on the world kind of thing. It's like, well, it, it'd be better if it was more contained. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, makes sense. Is it because it's a yeah series, it's not a mini series, just a series. No, so. it's, it, it could optimally go on forever, you know? Yeah, but I just don't know how because it feels like it's like a, she's getting revenge on these people or whatever, but. All right, the final thing to do before we take a break and talk about Lockstock is the Too Fast, Too Furious Minute, Minute 51, Roman Runs These Streets. Oh, no. American muscle. Your engine ain't as big as your mouth. All right, here we go. It's all right, baby. I'm going to handle this. Handle it. Ready and go! Roman and Fabio continue their pre-race rituals. Tej gets ready to begin the race before Suki walks over and gets things started. And they're off. Roman and Fabio tear down the street with Fabio taking an early lead. Fabio begins to turn around the barrels at the end of the track as the minute ends. I was bracing for another minute of no racing, but we only got 30 seconds of no racing. Halfway through, we're off. And we're already down to the barrels. We're a quarter of the way through the race. Yes, we are. How long do you think? Do you think it's a quarter mile to the barrels, like in the logistics of this world? I think that they think it's a quarter mile, yes. Because we get some aerial shots. My favorite part of this minute is that aerial shot where, like, instead of having the revving engines, it's, like, almost entirely silent, and it's just Fabio in front of Roman. I'm like, that's a cool angle. It's a Blurred. cool silent. It's it everything feels about fast. That yeah, it does. I really like that, too. That's a really cool shot. I wish I could have read the signs on the side. I tried to do that. You couldn't because it was blurred to show speed, but I'm not disappointed in it. I was watching for that because I don't take the notes on that, but I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder if he'll be able to see. And like, I can't see, maybe you'll have better luck, but it feels like they go several blocks down, right? Kind of. Yeah. We kind of walked it when we did Google maps. I don't know where they stop, but yes, they, they do go some, uh, some blocks down. Yeah. The 
sketchiest part of this minute, I feel like, is just an opportunity for Ludacris to put his hands on Devin Aoki's body, where, like, she walks over, she's like, oh, I'm going to get things started, and he's just like, handle it. And then he just puts his hands on her hips and then just, like, keeps them there. I'm just like, well. Yeah, he's kind of, like, old school grinding with her, kind of. Yeah. Because I, I wish, and we talked about this in past minutes, I wish Suki had more to do. Like, Suki's just there. Remember, like, when they were out front of Tej's garage, she's just there because she's in a bathing suit. Like, she doesn't have any lines. She's just there because she's hot, right? It's just like, you know, she starts the race here, but, like, let her go out. Don't let Tej go out. Or You know what I mean? Just, like, I don't know. Well, she gives herself something to do. She gets to send the race off. I know, but Which it also feels like so she just... useless. Yeah. It's so useless. That's what I was making a joke about. Were you surprised like I was, that Fabio woohoos while racing. He doesn't feel like the woohoo kind of guy. Yeah, that's weird. The The dialogue in this part of, like, just, like, them talking to themselves in the car is weird. But, yeah, the, the woohoo was <laughs> very Wario, I guess, right? Sure. Like, yes, definitely surprising for me. I, I had, like, you know, I'm looking kind of for things that could possibly be the question. And, like, Roman sitting there being like, what does he say? Smoke him, smoke him. You gotta, gotta smoke him. Gotta smoke him. Gotta smoke him. Gotta smoke him. And you're like, okay, bud. Like, so yeah, I was just like laughing about those. I think all the car talk dialogue, but I mean, like, what are you supposed to fill that with, right? Like, is good dialogue, like, because you're not talking to anyone. It's not pushing the story. They're just getting ready for the race. I wonder how much of this was improv. Yeah, just say something to yourself that, like, however your character would psych themselves up before. Because, like, Roman, like, we talked about last minute was the first time he challenges manhood. He kind of feels a little shaken. Like, he's not as confident as he is for most of the movies. I think he's feeling the pressure of the moment. I think he hears the engine next to him. And he's still, like, you know, he's still Roman. He's still got the bravado. But, like, he's he's a little worried. And I feel like that's a nice, that's an interesting choice by Tyrese. But he has to get himself ready. So, like, he, I'm, it does feel real, right? Like, what do you... I talk all kinds of weird shit to myself, like when I'm trying to get myself ready and I don't think anybody else is watching. So it doesn't feel that out of place. No, I like it. I'm not saying it's out of place. I like it. I'm talking myself through it because when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is kind of tack- tacky and corny. But now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I probably said something weirder than that anyways. So uh, we get some new clothing angles in this. Still no music. We've been like five or six minutes without music, but we got the new clothing. We got, I think for the first time, we see Roman wearing the Allen Iverson, presumably the answer sweatband has, on his right wrist. I, did you catch what was on his other arm? Because it was like, it's something else. I, and I saw it in the last minute and I forgot to ask you about it. No, I he gotta has look answer, again. He has answer on one arm and he has something else on the other one. It's not as, like, the, the answer one is, like, not gaudy, because gaudy is, like, blingy, like, jewelry, but, like, it's big. Like, it's oversized, right? So this, whatever's on his left wrist is not oversized. Let me take a look. Because he's also got, like, a glove on, like, a driver's glove on his right hand. No, I don't think he has anything on his left wrist. I thought that he had, like, a matching one, but it doesn't say the answer. It says something different. No, because his left wrist is bare. Oh, yeah, you're right. I... Maybe I was just reading the answer backwards, but like I thought about it last time we were last couple minutes. Because he's got a driver's glove, like it's just you know, it's like a in in like a, a video like a sports game, like a, a create a character. It's like you can do the same thing on both sides. You can just do one side, and he's like, I'm gonna load everything up on my right side and have nothing on my left. Because he's got the driver's glove on his right hand, <laughs> he's got his answer thing on the right wrist, and then this is just like a bear, like a, literally it's just a bear, like no jewelry, no bracelets. Yeah, if you're you know right-handed though, that's fine. I actually prefer everything on my left hand because I am right-handed. I don't want everything on my right hand. You found... Oh, god damn it. 
No, it's the same thing. It's oh, the same okay. thing. It's the exact same thing. I was just confirming because I got better shots of the sign gotcha. from last time that, yes, this is what the sign on the the side of the building says. But behind Tej, we finally get a shot of that when he's holding, you know, groping Suki. That's parking for Jones's boatyard only. Then it's Jones's dry dock services, the phone number for it. And it has the address, the, the plate number. You know, like the the street number, house number. Yep, 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 yep. And it's three three nine nine, which we confirmed earlier. Remember, we were like we reverse searched the yes. phone number, yes. found Jones's dry dock. The numbers match up. I like looked it up. Yes, we were correct, a hundred percent. It's still in the same place, and that's where it is on Google Maps as well. Because that's also, I was worried. Like as I was like, I wonder if you're able to see anything on the side. I'm also like looking for phone numbers, and I didn't see one. I'm like, okay, good, but I missed this one. So glad that we confirmed, which is very nice. The question, I don't know if you read the question. I have one. So we also took the quiz since last time. You outclassed me. You got 41 of 53. I got 32. It, some of these are so hard. It's insanely hard. It, it, it's definitely harder than the last one, for sure. In a bullshit way that I was saying to you that, like, we probably said, oh, we got ways you can, like, logic it out or whatever. But, like, it, oh, God, it's so, it's so difficult, some of these questions. Yeah, pretty painful. It is. I had, a, I had a rough time on a bunch of them. There were some that I was like, why the fuck did we ever pick that question? But at the same time, like... Much like everything else, we just it, it was meant to be hard, right? Like it's like th- this isn't a quiz that you should get a hundred on. Yeah. Well, I also told you that like I got nine of the first eleven wrong, and yeah, then I did like and then I basically, boy, because I think it's older, right? I haven't really thought about it since then. But also like some of the questions early on are just very very hard. And then like you know as we've gotten closer to like what we've talked about and the minutes that we've covered, and the minutes we've done or whatever, and maybe we just got easier questions. But like I did pretty well. I mean, I still got like a bunch wrong. On the back half, but like I, I remember starting the quiz and just being like, "Oh my god!" Like, what the fuck were we doing? I agree. I had the same exact feelings as you did. So, with that in mind, the question I, I thought of, I'm like, I don't want. I just wrote JK. It's like, what color shoes does Fabio wear? Like, there's no way. There's one half second shot of him with his yellow shoes. I had also like. I'm glad we took the quiz because it definitely gave me some perspective. Because I would have said, "What number does Suki have on her shirt?" And we have like. 20 number questions that are all like one through 10 yep. as the is answers. Eight? Is it eight? It's eight. Okay. It's eight she's wearing on her shirt. But like, I was like, oh no, we can't do that. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's, it's, it, so I had two options. I actually had three options that I was thinking of while we did this. I have one question. I think it's too easy, but what is, what are your options? Okay. Uh, do you want to do yours first and then hear mine? Sure, mine was, who officially starts the down and back race? We just have Suki and Tej, and the answer is Suki. Because, like, Tej, we talked about Tej is the one who, like, gets out there or whatever, but, like... Suki does the fingers up, fingers down type Correct. Situation. Okay, I had a few. One, it was about Roman saying, gotta smoke him, gotta smoke him, gotta smoke him. Because he says it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Two, because we get a great shot of it, Fabio is wearing, like, a big oval jade ring... Yes, which doesn't yep. seem to fit for him. You know what well, I mean? Like, like, I think to a certain extent, he's got the hair. He's just like kind of like a hippie dude who's into cars. Like, I think Fabio is an exercise in con- contradictions. I don't think he's a woohoo type. Maybe he's a Wario, like you said. But I also, it just, you know, I, I'm not surprised by by Fabio. Fabio yeah, is woo-hoo. an interesting he dude. He does some stuff with Jade. It, yeah, he's a, he's a complex character. Yeah. And then the last one, which I think is more kind of above board of how we do this does Fabio go around the barrel on the left or the right? Oh. 
two answers, and he goes on the right side of the barrel to make a left because he's coming down that way, which I think is counterintuitive. If I was driving, I would have gone down on the left side and made a right just by natural things. And, and because it was flipped, it made me uncomfortable, and that's why I noticed it. Why would you go around from the left because he's on the left-hand side? In my head, like when you're thinking about like making a like you're you're making a turn, I think I think naturally you would go from around the right. Are you saying would you say if you were him you'd go from the left because he starts on the left hand column, or just because you always assume that when you're going around that you would always go from the left to the right? Um, I think I would go from the left to the right, but yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. That's why it's confusing to me because there's because there's not two lanes, right? Like it is a two lane street, but they're racing. Right. So, like, if I had the option that it's, like, one road, and if I could go around and make a left or make a right, I feel like I would have made the right. Maybe this question's easier than I thought. I don't hate it, because I, I think it, it's like mine in that it's not difficult, not supremely difficult, but also will make you wonder, be like, wait, I think I know this, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, is that cool? And then, and then it's the most common basic answer. So, like, you might overthink it yourself like me. Is that okay? I mean, like, I'm down to, to do a different question, I, but that's just, like, along the lines of yours, it, like, and because we just took the quiz, it feels like we need a a two-answer Yeah, we yes need a mental no. breather, even though I feel like most of what we've been doing has been kind of like a mental breather. Like, the last, definitely, like, the middle of this quiz is easier than the beginning of the quiz, but... Yeah. It's never a bad thing to have more. Okay. So when Fabio makes the turn at the end of the down-and-back race, what direction does he take the turn in, right? Also, I guarantee you, we're going to take this quiz and be like, I don't fucking remember. And we're going to be like, I think we thought this was an easy question. And like, we're not going to remember that, that it was an easy question. When Fabio makes the turn at the end of the down and back race, what direction does he take the turn? Starts on the left and turns right or starts on the right and turns left, which is the right answer, right? I, I was going to go like goes around the right side of the barrel. But yes, both of them make sense. I think that they, they're saying the same things. I'm also glad that we did it because I, I messed up two. I had two errors in the quiz where I just didn't have an answer. So, But I learned that Google will automatically give us points retroactively. Like, we don't have to go back. So, like, it just knows what you input. So I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, so when you changed it to make it have answers, then it just said, like, it boosted our scores? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Which is how it should do because, like, it still has the input, right? But Yeah, exactly. Do you have anything else to say about this minute? I think that just because it was like a lot of racing, I was trying to read behind them, couldn't as much, and uh, I'm happy with that. Cool. All right, then let's take a break and let's come back and talk about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. This is episode number 228, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. This episode is brought to you by the Barrel Brothers, and you may be asking yourself, what is a Barrel Brother? What does that name even mean? Simply explained, it's two brothers-in-law that had a common goal of brewing barrels of beer for the world to enjoy. Shout out the Barrel Brothers. Well, shout out to the Barrel Brothers, and shout out once again to Lane Middleton for supporting us on Patreon and for picking this movie this lap. It's probably one I'm... 
I actually don't know if I might have, because this is Jason Statham's film debut. Did you know that? No, but it feels like it. I did not know that that was officially it, but it feels like it. So it's his film debut. Also, we talked about in the Transporter trilogy when we did those with Mike, that like that those are the ones where people were like, oh, yeah, he's a star. He can lead these things. But it feels like this movie starts with him as a street vendor, right? He's a hustler. Yeah, he's, yes. he, it looks like he's about to run like three card money or something, right? Yes, but he's just selling stolen goods, right? Is it stolen goods or fake? Either or, both. He, he's he's saying they're stolen. So I guess if that's what you're admitting, that's probably not the truth, right? You're just like, yeah, they're stolen or whatever. But, you know, with prices like this. But that's a job that he actually had. So he worked as a street vendor growing up, I guess, in London or in, in England, whatever. So he's believable in there because he did that to earn money. So... He was a street vendor? I didn't yeah. know that. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. We were talking with Mike. Like, what I was saying was that like, you talk with Mike about how, like, the transport is like, oh, we can lead movies. But, like, here from the very beginning of this movie, you're like, oh, no, like, this guy is charismatic. He's handsome. And awesome. he, like, is, is charming, right? And just, like, maybe you can only do this. Maybe that's, like, you know, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at, like, all sorts of things. But, like, he's great here. You know what I mean? So, like. He's a performer, for sure. Like, yeah. even acting as a street performer slash street hustler, whatever. Yes, you can see that the charisma is there. I absolutely agree, and I think this was like one of the most awesome like intros to a movie because you know you just get Jason Statham doing Cockney puns, trying to hustle. It was cool down the line. Yeah. Oh, and I will say by the way that if you want more explanation of the Cockney, because it's all just like the way that and like it's it's something I'm really only familiar with because of Guy Ritchie movies and also Don Cheadle's character in the Ocean's movies. But it's like, instead of saying, like, face or whatever, they'll say place because it rhymes. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but it also makes perfect sense. Yeah. So there's a lot of explanations of that on IMDb if you want to know what they're saying in Cockney. At one point, they subtitle, which I think is very, very funny, that they, like, they, these guys telling a story and they're subtitling it because it's like, this makes no sense to somebody who's just listening who doesn't understand the, the lingo. So Oh, that's funny. I watched it with subtitles because I wanted just clarity throughout oh, the no, whole I thing. Oh, no, I do. Whenever I, when, and this might... I might be admitting that I'm a dumb person. Not really. But when I watch British stuff, I do watch with subtitles. I'm just like, I, 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 I don't. I Yes. But the, for that scene, the subtitles went to the top for me and the actual subtitles were below. So it's like okay, he's speaking nice. English, but they're subtitling in like American English. Statham is not only starting the movie off, but he's starting it off with like two kind of lengthy monologues. I don't remember the monologues beyond him kind of talking around what he was doing with the hustling. Yeah, but like it's it's a lot of dialogue. I mean, I'm sure he can okay. kind of like he can he can freewheel it however he wants, but it just feels like oh, he's got a lot. He's saying a lot. It's not just that he's doing a thing, but he's like, you know, there's a lot going on here. Which was a little disappointing because like I assumed starting off like this that he was going to be like the main character, but it's like a really spread out cast. Right. And I think that's what I was saying to you this morning when we were talking about the movie. I think this movie is hard to talk about, and we'll we'll I'll explain why. But I think part of it is because there's like a million people doing a million things that all kind of intersect, but also like kind of don't have to in a way. I remember when we were talking about this, and when you brought it up, you said this kind of is like the precursor to Snatch, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's very fair, and you can see that it's like kind of a rough around the edges almost snatch you know like mm -hmm. it's like he's working to get there for sure so this is guy Ritchie's first film and he Makes would go sense. on to do snatch he did rock and roller he did the gentleman he did a whole bunch of movies yeah 
It's also produced by Matthew Vaughn, who would go on to make Kingsman and Kick-Ass, and so like they're a really powerhouse behind-the-scenes duo, whatever. But what what also sort of like disheartened me a little bit about this is that like it's so weird is not the right word, but it's very 90s indie in like it doesn't want to cater to the audience. Like we're going to throw three groups of four or five dudes at you in the first five or ten minutes and like they're all got kind of different goals are going to intersect. But like we don't really care if you can follow or not. Like we're just going to like do our thing. And I appreciate that because it's just like. You can follow along, and even if you don't really follow, you know what's going on, but it's like it doesn't hold your hand, and then to see, like, the movies that he makes now, it's just, like, it's not bad, but it's, like, you know, it's it's a watered-down version of this, I think. Yeah, you know, he's young and aspiring and wants to make something, like, big or memorable, you know what I mean? Something that he finds interesting, so uh, I get the aspirations, you know, it's, like... A newbie's, not in a bad way, but like a newbie's take on things, right? Like yep. maybe you try to overextend yourself a little much. You're trying to pay homage to a little bit too many things. And like, you know, you see when like an artist or producer, direct I mean, directors, writer, whatever, starts. Maybe sometimes they start a little big and then they start to like narrow their focus down as they get older and make other stuff. So, yeah, it, it was definitely cool to see for sure. And I think it's kind of thing sort of similar in a different way, but like the way that when Tarantino breaks in with Reservoir Dogs, it's like, I don't know what's going on here, but I know that this guy knows what he's doing. He has a he has an idea. You yeah. can see the idea that he has. Yeah. And I, like, I don't exactly follow everything that's going on, but I understand it's a heist with dumb criminals and, you know, we're going to go from there. So of the 44 speaking parts in the film, 17 were played by people who had never acted before. So it's not just Stephen, like it's a lot of the cast, almost half the cast is brand new to acting, which kind of who, gives... Who are some of the people? Was it some of the people I know, like Sphinx and, like, the guy that was, I don't know, like, the head of the other crew, I guess? Like, there seemed, there seemed like, people that I recognized, but were all of them, like, is this their first movie, too? Did Guy Ritchie just find kind of all of them? I don't know. Like, the only person... So, like, there's a couple people in here that I know, one of which I would not have recognized had Mike not brought him up on the Transporter ones, but remember from Transporter 2, there was that guy that Statham had, like... He was just, like mucking around with like he in like the in the middle of that movie he spends like 15 or 20 minutes with the dude that's one of the guys in this that's the guy jason fleming so like he's a guy who been like i've never seen him in a movie before but like let me see who it is you said jason fleming f-l-e-m-y-n-g okay yeah 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 yeah. yeah. he was in transporter okay. 2 he was one of the bad guys he's the one that Statham injects with the saline he's just like i, I infected you with the virus he's like what um, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mike was saying like they, they might have just been buddies from this because they acted in this, you know, a, a few years before. I didn't know him from other like um, he might be in like a million British things. I don't know. The only person I think I recognized was Sting. Yes. So I didn't recognize Sting till the last scene in the movie when they're both sitting in the car, like after pretty much everything before he like makes him walk to the bar or whatever. Because he's not he's not like He's not stingy in a way. <laughs> yes, I agree. And in amongst all these British dudes that kind of all look like like yeah. fatter, taller, skinnier, mm-hmm. shorter versions of Sting, it was very hard to pick him out. But with no help at all, when he's sitting in the car, I like looked at the side of his face. I was like, Rachel, is that Sting? And she like looked it up and she was like, yeah, that's Sting. Because I was half expecting to say, who was the guy who looked like Sting? And I was going to be like... My dear boy, that's Sting himself. But like, yeah. no. you watch like Dune from 84 and like he's got like spiky orange hair and he's wearing like a thong the entire movie and just like our cod piece is just like, oh, that's Sting. Yeah, I get it. But like this is like he's just like an older like 
ah, fuck, I'm too tired for this shit. Like, like just like he's just an old dude who owns a bar, and it's like it just happens. And a to grumpy be dad. Yeah. Yeah, like and it, a dad of a son that's kind of fucking up, like all of these things down the line. So yeah. So I think he was the only one. I'm gonna look at the cast again now. I don't know that I recognized anyone else from this movie. I don't know who was new. They might have all been new. You know what I mean? I don't know, but yeah, that's fair. I'm actually gonna look up the, the top five guys. So Jason Fleming had acted before. He'd been in a bunch of stuff before. He was in Spice Worlds before this. So oh, spice up your life. Dexter Fletcher, who plays Soap, he was been in a bunch of stuff before. Rachel said she recognized him from break uh, from Band of Brothers, not Breaking. You put Breaking Bad in my head, but Band of Brothers. Nick Moran had been in stuff before. Nick Moran also in the Harry Potter movies. He plays Scabior. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. So Vinny Jones is a guy who's been in a ton of stuff. Vinny Jones is the guy who plays Big Chris in this. He's the guy who like looks like you've seen him from other things. He yes. Yeah, he's yeah. the Chan that we covered. He was in Gone in 60 Seconds. He was in Swordfish. He was in X-Men 3. He's been in a bunch. But this was his first movie. So like he's another one. Is it Sphinx? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Sphinx from Gone yes, in 60 Seconds. That's yes, who I'm talking correct. about. Yep. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I said. Yeah. So, yeah, he he was new. So, like, it feels like the people that, like, he not only found people who, like, acted well, but, like, you know, Statham and Vinnie Jones both had good track records, right? So, cool. It's really funny when I love when a director does something like this, like, you know, like, everybody that was in Kids became, like, an actor, right? Like, and everybody that's in this, like, became an actor. It's crazy Did to me. they? Did the kids in Kids become actors? Yeah, you had Chloe Savini and Rosario Dawson. Oh, well, no, the girls did, but the the dudes, I think, like, got addicted. Like, most of the dudes, I think, did not go on, but the two girls, or maybe some yeah, of the like guys Yeah, like, the one did. the one kid, I'm, but I'm saying, like, to, to get a start in one movie, and then you produce two actors that have careers is sure. crazy, Yeah, right? Like, there's some people, like, um, Sean Baker, who did... Red Rocket, like there's people who are just like, or the guy who made Mud, are just like literally taking people, just like I want you have a look, I want you in the movie. I don't know if that's what's happening here. If it's just like, hey, you got a funny way about you, like I want you in my movie, but it's probably like, hey, you got a funny way about you, I want you in my movie, and also you want to be an actor. I think there's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but for sure, it is. It's nice to see success when there's like nothing there or whatever, right? Like it just comes from nothing, success out of nothing. So I agree with that. I like that a lot. Vinnie Jones, the Sphinx from Gone in 60 Seconds, had just been released from police custody for beating up his neighbor. So like the day, either the day before <laughs> or the day that they started filming that his first scene, he had come from prison because he was arrested for like, you know, assault and battery or whatever. And Jason Fleming, the guy from Transporter 2, joked that he was the poshest person on set because everyone else had criminal records. So it just feels like, you know, I'm sure Jason uh, Statham was like arrested for like, you know, selling stolen goods or whatever. Public, like, yep. whatever. Yeah. So... The film was having trouble being distributed in America because I guess, you know, it's Why? like a bunch of people that nobody knows. Okay, and, okay. you know, it's it's not an expensive movie. It's just like we got to take a chance. Like it's a good movie, but like you got to find a distributor or whatever. That's always the hardest part for indie films. I think one of the producers called one of her acquaintances, a guy by the name of Tom Cruise, uh, who attended Ooh. a screening, loved the film. And so Matthew Vaughn, who produced this, but also would go on to make Kick-Ass and whatever, said, quote, it was hysterical. You had all these mid-level executives sitting there and Cruz walked in. He saw them all sit up and pay attention, all getting on their phones. And suddenly all these senior executives joined the screening. At the end, Tom got up in front of everyone and said, this is the best movie I've seen in years. You guys would be fools not to buy it. That's pretty badass. Thanks, Tom Cruise, for making this movie a possibility and yep. probably starting Guy Ritchie's whole career, right? Probably, yeah. Because if you think about it, like, 
when your job is to figure out if a movie is good, if a movie is going to make you money, right? Like you have like stacks of screenplays, like you have people like vet the things. It's like, you know, I'm going to go watch the new thing from like if Tom Cruise is directing a thing, like we'll say whatever. Like there's like when when there's clout behind it. But this is just like, I don't know. I've heard good things. I'm not going to waste my time. We're going to send the junior guy. And then the junior guy's yep. like, hey, boss, uh, Tom Cruise is here. You might want to get here. He's like, I'm on my way. Right. So. If Tom Cruise gives it a thumbs up, then fuck yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. The only other trivia that I have is that the scene where Nick the Greek, who is the the gun guy, breaks the glass in the coffee table, it was not in the script. It was an accident that happened during filming. Remember, he like puts the glass down the whole like middle of the table shatters. Yes, 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 yes. It, it was an accident that happened during filming, and Guy Ritchie decided to use it in the final cut, which I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, that's, you know, interesting. But I remembered back when we covered our favorite film, Ragazzi, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, there was a scene where Channing Table threw a – Jesus. Channing Tatum threw a table. Channing Table. We can call him Channing Tatable. Channing Tatum table. threw a table through a glass door, and everyone was just like, what the fuck? There's, like, that fight scene or whatever, and – that was not intended. That was not in the script, but they kept that. So I feel just like yeah, he said he was all amped about it. I yes. think I remember this now. He was just like amped, like in the moment, and just threw a yeah, threw the table. Yeah, it's just, it's funny to me that like in two of these movies that we've covered for for different shows, it's just like things weren't supposed to break, things broke. We kept them in the movie. Yeah, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like it's a very memorable part of the movie. So. It, this is just for for humor, right? I mean, this is this movie. This movie is a comedy, really, right? But like, yeah, yeah. The Channing one was just because it's like, you know, oh my god, like, can you can you imagine? But this is just like, yeah, it's kind of a goofy thing because he's like getting in trouble or whatever, and then he puts the glass down and like the glass breaks. So, yeah. All right, so let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about Lockstock. What did you think of it? Because we had both seen it, but not in forever. No, I think I've seen the beginning and probably fallen asleep. Remember, I thought that like I probably watched it stoned like in high right. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I didn't remember a lot of it, and as I'm watching it, I'm just seeing, like, bits and pieces, actors and things that I like. I really did enjoy it. I'm really glad that I finally, like, sat down, gave it a wholehearted, attentioned watch, and then the whole time I'm thinking, like, oh, man, I can't wait till he, like, figures this shit out and makes Snatch. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what it felt like to me. It was just, like, it felt like the, what do you call, like, when you write up, like, the first draft of Snatch. Sure. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I don't mean this as that much of a criticism. I don't know how good this movie is. I really like it a lot. I think it's very funny. It's 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 messy in ways that I think is what you're saying. It's just like it's not it's not the best version of this. And like it's it's going to get bad eventually. But it's going to get good before it gets bad. It gets kind of predictable and whatever. But like I agree with you fully. It's just like I like this. I don't love this. But I know that this guy is going to have something great in him very soon. Yeah, and I can see the potential and the sparks of that, right? Like, in different parts of this movie, like, there was lots of, like, little bits and things and jokes. The Cockney and, like, the uh, even the, like, the film, like, the feel of the film in the sense of, like, how it was uh, washed. You know what I mean? Like, this kind of thing, like, the tone and the coloring of it. I was like, okay, you're getting, like, this is what we're achieving, so, like, I could see glimmers of greatness, and I yeah. was like, okay, cool. Because I think what's what's tough about this is that, like, a lot of what happens, it's telling a serious story, like a crime story, but it's also, a lot of it doesn't matter, because, like, it's a lot of just people fucking up, and, like, that's kind of the fun part of it, you know what I mean? And, like, it's so interconnected, right? Like, yeah. for it being so separated of, like, 
there's so many characters and there's so many different cliques and then like they're all connected is like okay like isn't there shouldn't there be some bits like do we really need the the i guess for like the very final part but like the two guys stealing the old guns well like that's the through line and i don't know like so the plot of this movie as best as i can understand it is that there's a there's a high stakes poker game and they got a ringer yeah when they get there, they're like, oh, like he starts doing really well, but they don't realize that the game is rigged because there's like cameras in the table and like there's somebody with a microphone in the other room or whatever. He has like a tapping device to yes. tell the, the hatch, Hatchet Harry, Harry the Hatchet. Which one is it? Hatchet Harry or Harry the Hatchet? I don't remember. But yes. So he gets into this like what he thinks is a great hand and he keeps betting and betting and betting and then he loses and suddenly he owes this like very bad dude half a million dollars. Yes. And so they need to find the way to make a half a million dollars. They're going to rob their neighbor, blah, 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 all this different stuff. In the end, even though they have the money, they get the money stolen from them. But they're left with like these very old muskets that have been like throughout the movie. They're like, oh, these are actually worth like 700 grand. So like, you know. None of the hoods know how much these guns are worth, right? Like, that's the whole point. Is it like, the guys, like, go steal all the guns in the house. And they're like, okay, they go steal all the guns, but they, like, don't get those ones. And they finally, or, like, they they got those ones, but they sold them for, like, pennies because they're like, why did you want the old guns? Like, you wouldn't even use those. They look like muskets. Yeah, they say, like, they like, I want to look cool. I want to look intimidating. I'm like, this isn't going to do it. But nobody, nobody at any point of the movie understands what the value of these antique guns are. And it's actually really funny. Those two guys are funny when they're, like, robbing that house. And the guy's like, look, like, their house is full of antiques. Take whatever you want. Just bring me the guns. And he's like, okay. And then he's like, these guys are poor. None of their furniture is new or anything. And it's, like, all antique furniture. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. It's just, like, these. there's a lot of idiot criminals out there, right? Like, this is what it's just showing. Right, which is very funny, and, like, another move, like, whenever you're able to, like, successfully combine comedy and crime, it's very, very good. Like, Snatch does it better, I think. I also think In Bruges kind of combines comedy and crime in a, in a really good way. Uh, that's come out, like, 2007-ish, maybe? So, like, sort of significantly after this. But, like, because it's not, like, cringe. Like, you know, sometimes, like, you watch me, like, I can't, like, it's just, they're they're too dumb. Like, these are dumb in a way that, like, is fun. And I don't know how to describe endearing. it. But, like, yes. It's just, like, oh, you're so dumb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And it works. It, you are a product of a bad school system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this, like, this level of, like, dumb to where you're, like, oh, that's, I mean, like, it's not really your fault. You're just really dumb. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. At the end of the movie, after they have this money, because they, you know, they, there's, people get killed all the time. There's, like, all these back and forth, like, you know, shootouts and stakeouts and all this different stuff. And all these people die, and, like, the money and the guns and the weed and everything keeps going back and forth. And they have the money at the end, and we think that our guys won. And they instead get robbed but well they well they go they're like okay we got like yeah because it's like they're they get a tip from their neighbors which the neighbors that they were going to rob in the first place like that was the whole plan <laughs> they were going to rob the neighbors but then the neighbors are going to rob these guys that like grow weed that are just like college students so they wait until they rob them that they rob the neighbors that had just robbed the college students and they're like okay cool the plan's going well they get all the money and all the weed they have it at their house. They're like, we're going to go to the bar now to celebrate. We'll just lock this shit up. Which, by the way, weed is fucking smelly. So, like, that was my biggest gripe with right. the movie. Is that, like, 
they're carrying around like you know kilos and kilos of weed and they put it all in one apartment and it's like you don't expect them to smell like your whole fucking building is gonna reek like weed right because they're like this is super grade a high hydroponic weed well we just talked with josh about how that whole movie of fate of fury should smell like fish because of the fish truck and like here you know the whole yes, movie should yeah, smell like exactly. weed and it doesn't right so yeah it's it's a, a common problem i guess yeah definitely definitely is but then, like, okay, so the, the like when they lock it up, the the one guy's mad about the guns, right? I think he's still mad about the guns, or is he mad about the weed? They, like, they he's mad that they lost the weed, or whatever. everybody's mad about everything. I it's fair, it's, fair. It's genuinely hard to keep track of like what people are mad about because, like, again, everyone in this movie to a certain extent is an idiot, right? Like, they're all either underestimating people, or they're just bad at things, or they they don't know the value of things, and they're all fucking up constantly. Yes. Yes. Eventually, like, he gets pushed through the wall, and they're like, all of our shit is right next door. <laughs> and uh, so they go to steal it back, and then the guy whose weed it was comes to steal it back from them, but then Sphinx shows up and actually steals the money and realizes that it because it was with them that he was probably going to pay the boss back, so he takes it to the boss for them, and it's like, hey, they had the money, like, they were going to pay you, so, like, when I went to collect, it was just there, and I brought it to you, and he's like, okay, cool. Yep. So in the end, though, when they when they get robbed, they are left with the book that's like, hey, we have the money now, which I know is what you really want. But the guns that you have, like you might not be able to get this value because they're stolen. But like Sotheby's says they're worth like a quarter of a million dollars each. Meanwhile, they had sent one of their friends to throw them off the bridge, like wrap, just like dispose of them. Yeah, because he said like, oh, we paid like 700 bucks for these. And they're like, well, that's the only thing that ties us to the crime. Like, go get rid of them. And he's like. But, like, we paid 700 bucks yeah. for these. And they're like, okay. Meanwhile, like, because the, the fence was like, I want to get, I want $700 each, 700 quid each. And they're like, well, like, we're not going to do that. Like, they, like, what, I think the line is like, what, a dollar for every year they've been around or whatever? Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And so they get it down, they negotiate it down. But again, they're worth together like five or 600,000 quid that nobody knows because, again, they're just like, you know, morons young dumb people who like just want flashy guns and want to like look the part as opposed to like these like you know old timey like 1700s muskets or shotguns or whatever with like these like three foot long barrels yeah Statham plays a character named bacon which like there's other people like i don't know that we got unless i missed it but they're like his name is soap because he likes to keep his hands clean but like i was waiting for like a his name is bacon because he hates the cops or whatever but like did we get one of those or did i miss that I don't think so, but when they say his name is Bacon, the the guy whose soap also has like a restaurant and there's a pig head there, so I don't know what it is. So I think that was also like what you were saying before that you were expecting him to be the star of this because it feels yeah. like we see like you know he, we start the movie with him and like his name's Bacon and like they have the freeze frame of the early on where like you know they're getting caught and like he throws the the the, the suitcase or whatever the briefcase. Then we get the soap, but I was I was waiting for like the and his name is Bacon or whatever, and like it feels like but it's like oh no, this is Soap's story to a certain extent, even though it's not. It's like this is more Soap's story than Bacon's story. It very very much so is because he's the one who. Well, no, Soap isn't the one that gets in trouble with the card game. Is he or isn't he? No, he's not. It's the other guy. So they just come to get a piece of the money from Soap. Soap just has a restaurant and is just like a normal guy that happens to be friends with them. Right. Okay. Um, no, it's the other kid, JD's kid of JD's bar. That's the Sting's like, he's, kid. Sting's kid. He's like I would argue the main character. Of Eddie, this. I think, right? Nick Moran, Eddie. Might makes sense. Because there's Tom, who is Jason Fleming, who we know it's not him, because that's the guy from Transporter. There's Soap, and then there's Bacon. 
And so the other one, the fourth one is Eddie. So it's, just, it's Eddie. So, oh yeah, while Eddie plays cards, I have, that's my next note. Should have just looked at my notes. While Eddie plays cards, the rest go next door to this pub. And this is probably the biggest fascination, even though it's not really a fascination. But do you know what I'm talking about, the, the fascination in this movie? The Samoan Joes? Yes. Just because it's Samoan? No wonder Deckard hates Hobbes. Oh. Because clearly this is all canon within the universe, that this is Deckard Shaw, and he wants a cocktail, and he gets this, like, fruity Samoan He's in a tiki drink. bar. It's a tiki bar. Yes. So, like, he gets, they're like, can we have a cocktail? Or, like, can we have a drink? Like, I want some, I want a good drink or something, is what he says. And he so gets, like... He says, it's a cocktail, you asked for a cocktail. Because this is, like, this is the only quote that I copied. No, I asked you to give me a refreshing drink. I wasn't expecting a fucking rainforest. You could fall in love with an orangutan in that. And the barman yes. says, you want a pint? You go to the pub. He says, I thought this was a pub. And he goes, it's a Samoan pub. Yeah, and, and they, yeah, they, which doesn't make any sense. There's no beer at all in this tiki bar. Like, not even, like, a beer in a bottle. You know, like a red stripe or something. At a certain point when a bartender, like, when, when you have a guy come in and, like, he's... He orders a drink. You get him a drink. You you spend the time to make this drink for him, and then he's an asshole like this. You're just like, no, no, man, we're out of beer. Sorry, man. Last one. No more beer. <laughs> I don't need your three dollars on your no tip. Get the fuck out, right? So like, you want yeah. a beer? Go to a pub. They might have beer, but not. They don't have beer for Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I did think that was a really cool fast connection, but the other fast connection that, or well, kind of a roundabout fast connection that I was very curious about is I think. After they rob all the guys, they um, are like, oh, like, you know, tie them all up, whatever, 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 whatever. And um, one of the guys goes, okay, you spend time with Handsome, and, like, whenever you're done with Handsome or whatever, then, like, meet me at the car. And, like, Jason Statham was standing there. I think he was talking about the other guy. But and he, not like, Handsome Rob. But he was close, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. Well, I think, you know, it's the same kind of thing that, like, people wrote in about or said to us on Twitter or whatever that, like, canonically, the Italian job apparently now exists in the Hobbs and Shaw universe, right, in the Fastiverse. Yeah. And we were like, it's very easy for the transporter to do as well. And it feels like Lockstock also, like, none of these things, even though it would be, like, a very full life, right? Like, none of these things are, like, de- like nullifying like it's not like one of these movies that he does is like oh no this is his entire career like they could all like it all it could all be true like this is all just what Statham did so yeah at no point in the, yeah because it could have been like you know he started out as a criminal or even came back from the whatever the secret agency the Air Navy Force SEALs. What, oh yeah 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 yes the Navy SEALs or whatever the British what, Royal Guard or whatever and he came back from that and then like became a criminal or had like met up with his old friends or did that first and did this. Yeah. I think it all is just like, you know, different parts of handsome Rob's life. Yep. For sure. Does Statham do a backflip in this movie? At what point? I didn't, not that I Toward remember. Toward the end. It's like, there's, there's like a montage kind of that happens here and like it's chaos. And like, I saw a guy do oh, a when they're at the bar and like lighting farts on fire. This I think part? so. Oh, there's also okay. like the greatest I'm sure you saw, which is going to be the art for this episode. Hold on. What? In that bar scene, he's got a cigar in his mouth, he's got a card to his head, and he's got lit up paper on fire in both ears. Yeah, I was... Yes. Because he got real stoned off the the super weed. I thought that it reminded me of those things. I've never done it, but do you ever hear of ear candles? Yes. That are supposed to, like, clear out your ear canals or whatever? Yeah, I'm very skeptical of them. I've never tried one before. I think that, like, you do something very similar with ear candles. But, yeah, this was a really fun – that's awesome. 
excellent choice. Yes, I definitely remember this. So somewhere around there, a dude does a backflip in a bar, and I think it's Statham, but also all these British dudes, to a certain extent, look the same. It's like either they're like, they've got a good head of hair or they're kind of bald, and like, yeah, one of the they bald look like guys... Sting. They all look like Sting to me. Yes. It's like either Sting when he was earlier or Sting when he's older, right? So, yeah, I yeah. don't know. But I, I think there's a chance Statham does a backflip in this movie, and if so, he does a good backflip. Yeah, I don't remember the backflip part because I was so confused about the all the fire and the sleeping on the piano and shit like that. So yeah, what else about this movie? Any other moments? Any other things? Because I think again, like we we've said before, it's hard to talk about comedies because it's just like, oh, I like that joke, I like that joke, or whatever. But like this blends the genres well enough that I think it works. It's not just all joke, 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 joke. Like I think it also works as a pretty good heist sort of crime like blue collar crime movie i think it works well i think it's i think it's definitely a heist movie i would categorize this as a heist movie it's it has funny parts and it definitely is comedic but i think this is first and foremost a heist movie is stave them in snatch oh god i don't no i, I don't think he, oh no he is he is he's he, oh he plays turkish that's right he's fifth that's build, right he plays turkish that's right, that's right, that's right. And he plays like a money collector, right? Like, that's his whole... I think he plays so. I haven't Sphinx seen Snatch role. in forever either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie is not streaming for free anywhere. This is the first time, I think, since we did... What was that De Niro movie that we did for the classic... For the No, for the modern... No, classic car movie lab. Ronin? Ronin. This is the first time since Ronin that I watched a DVD. Like, I own this movie on DVD. I thought I had bought the Blu-ray, but I have it on DVD, so I watched it there. I saw your there. tweet picture. It was awesome. Yeah, where it's like, hey, do you want to watch this in widescreen or full screen? So, like, yeah, widescreen, please. But Snatch is on Netflix. So if you want to watch Snatch, that's on Netflix. Again, Joe and I think it's kind of like the the better, or at least the, the, the more polished version of Snatch, right? Or yes. of, of this movie. Yes. Um, There's a couple other things in this movie that I did like. I liked seeing the guy from Boondock Saints, which I'm sure he's from a lot, and Snatch in this. Sure. Like, uh, he comes in, like, right at the end. He's, like, uh, the bar owner's, like, JD, the bar owner's friend i guess when sphinx takes all the money to like take care of him and his kid and become a a loan shark essentially um he drives off in a shelby cobra okay and i was like oh this is really cool and then it made me think like oh maybe this is like sphinx's origin story of gone in 60 seconds right because eleanor was a cobra it was yeah okay see i'm learning car things very slowly and without any kind of confidence but i know some car things yeah, you're getting there, bud. I'm getting there. You are. Also, if you've not seen Snatch, stars Benicio Del Toro, so it feels like it's kind of like, oh, we, we can afford a bigger star. And also Brad Pitt is in there as a character who, like, you literally cannot understand. Like, if you think the Cockney is a lot, like, this is just like, I don't know what you're saying. But it's very funny. So I'm also I'm almost surprised now, thinking in retrospect, that, like, the, the Brad Pitt role was not like Tom Cruise, given the, how much he loved Lockstock. Because, hmm. like, you, you need a handsome, ripped dude, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe Brad Pitt was, like, more, like, young and upcoming kind of vibes. This is after, Snatch is years after Fight Club. Snatch is, is it? or not, is it? not years after, but it's after Fight Club. It's the oh, year after I thought Fight Snatch Club. came before Fight Club. So this movie, Lockstock is 98, Fight Club's 99, Snatch is 2000. Interesting. So it's pretty quickly after this, but it's also, like, Brad Pitt has been, before this, Brad Pitt had done... Going immediately preceding this, Fight Club, uh, Meet Joe Black, he was a star of, he was in The Devil's Own, he was in Sleepers, 12 Monkeys, Seven, Interview with a Vampire, A Scene in True Romance. So, like, he's been around for, like, a decade, and he's been, like, starring and stuff for, like, five years by this point. Yeah. So, 
I don't know what like what was Tom Cruise doing? Also the connection there, an interview with a vampire, Cruise and that. Cause I know ninety nine was his two big art house movies. Vanilla Sky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Mission Impossible Two? I don't know. He could have done that, but whatever. Yeah. Snatch is good though. Watch that and watch this movie too. I think so. Any other notes about Lockstock or do you want to watch a trailer? I would like to watch the trailer. I'm going to pull it up. I have to find the I am one. glad that Lane picked this one because, like, it's a movie... There are a lot of movies that I've seen once 15 years ago that, like, I count as having seen, but, like, I don't... I couldn't tell you, like, a single thing about Lockstock, right? Like, I couldn't tell you that Sting was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that I had a reason to rewatch it because, like, I have so many movies that I want to see that, like, a movie that I basically haven't seen that I wouldn't go back to is like, oh, I've seen Lockstock or whatever, but, like... It's a it's a good way it's a good time to every fifteen years watch a movie. <laughs> Just one movie. One but movie. every fifteen years. Yeah. I'm ready to watch the trailer whenever you are. Okay, so this is posted. This trailer, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, official trailer number one, Jason Fleming movie, nineteen ninety-eight HD, posted by our friends Movie Clips, classic trailers. A little over a decade ago, January tenth, twenty twelve, hundred and forty five thousand views. Joe, let me know when you're ready to watch. I'm ready whenever you are, brother. All right. Three, two, one, play. Ska Films was cool. The film that conquered Britain. I also do like that they have the cage in their, like, crime lair that they just don't use properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they leave it unlocked all the time. There's Ding. It's also very late 90s to have poker be, like, a core... Like, this is, like, a year after Rounders, right? Like, it's just, like, poker yeah. is cool right now. Yes, exactly. I mean, poker's always been cool, but, like, poker was, like, especially cool from, like, 98 to 03. Yes. Yeah, the, the Rounders really set it off, right? I think so. When was Rounders? Rounders might have been... 99, my guess. 98, same year as this. Like, this movie's not about poker. Rounders is about poker. But, like, yes. poker is the inciting incident here, right? So. If the milk turns out to be sour, I ain't the kind of pussycat to drink it. Is he, was he in other things, by the way? The one black guy in the movie? Oh, no, he has his whole gang. I gotta look him up. This spring. Four friends. The odds are 100 to 1. Have three days. If you've been the truth, I'll kill you. And two guns. I like when he stepped through the table, too. That's a really badass move. The shot of him stepping into the table. It's weird, because, like, I think, like, the way that he plays it and his, like, over-the-top afro, like, make him seem like he's a joke, but, like, he's one of the more badass characters in the movie. Oh, yeah. I love that line, too. Everybody, please stop getting shot. Yes, yes. When the two, like, when the... The lackey and the other guy like come in together and they're like, they're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing here? That's really awesome, too. So he's played by Vass Blackwood, Rory Breaker. He's most known for this, the movie Creep, but not the Creep with Mark Duplass, a movie called Mean Machine and Rolling with the Nines. So he's just like a British actor. Yeah, no, I don't know that I know him. He seems like he. No, I've only seen him in this movie. Yeah, he was really awesome. He kind of. Yeah, he was giving me big Eddie Griffin vibes as I was watching this, but like obviously I knew it wasn't him. It just like had a very similar vibe to it, and I was like, did I think that this guy is in other movies and thought that maybe that was Eddie? Gr-? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they just like felt very similar in character and style. 
at least to me, there's the British thing. Like it's, I have the hair blindness, but I also have like British blindness where I'm just like, oh, I've either seen this guy in a million things or nothing. And I can't tell which. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And now like watching like shitty old comedies or like sitcoms, I mean, like Seinfeld and stuff. And like between like that and SVU, I've seen everyone and everything, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, like they look so familiar and I can't tell. And Lifetime movies, like Brian and I were just talking about this. Like, and then the Lifetime movies get like the B list version of all of those. So am I actually imagining anyone or what's going on? You know, these. Yeah, any things. show with 200 episodes is just like, we just need bodies at a certain point. And like they're either going to hit or they're not going to hit, but like we just need to fill shoes and like whatever, right? So. Yeah. Oh, one other line that I really like from this movie is guns for show, knives for a pro, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So the Letterboxd game. So for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd. There's a new book out about Mad Max Fury Road, like Blood oh. and Chrome or something, where like they talk about how miserable it was on set, like which I knew. I knew it was tough, but like it's apparently really tough on set. And like Tom Hardy, a big asshole. Oh, really? Yeah. That's I want to read this book, but I've not read it yet. It just came out like two weeks ago, maybe? Seen by 1,026,000 people, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, 1998, directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Jason Fleming, Dexter Fletcher, Nick Moran, and Jason Statham, has been seen by how many people? Has been seen by how many people? It's got to be a ton. 300,000. You are too high. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. 175? You're very, very, very close. 168. 168, 900. So remember we were talking about with the Transporter episode with Mike, like sequels that have had more people watch it. Snatch, it's not like it's Lockstock 2 or Lockstock and two more smoking barrels. It's sort of like a spiritual sequel, but that's been seen by 320,000. So you're much closer oh, to the Snatch okay. number. Lockstock, yeah, under seen kind of like almost 170. So average rating 3.8, most common a four, then a three and a half, then a four and a half. Then a three, then a five. Pascast of the show, Aaron Newworth gave it five stars. Pascast of the show, Austin Will Southern gave it three and a half. A bunch of people. Wes has seen it. He didn't give it a rating. How many people, though, out of those 169, 170, whatever, have it in their top four? I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how many people have, like, Snatch and this versus how many people have just Snatch how many you think, Milo? Did you hear him yelling? No, and I, I wish, like, I, I edit out usually because, like, it's usually just, it sounds like you're yelling at nothing because Joe's cat Milo talks on most episodes. And, like, I can hear him sometimes on, on here, but, like, it doesn't show up in the recording. I don't know why, but. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he no, just, don't like, be as... sorry. It's just, I wish, he, I wish he was there. It just, it doesn't, he doesn't show up. Yeah, like, as I was thinking, like, you were like, how many? And I'm like, how many is it? And he's like, squeak, squeak, and, like, walks by. It's <laughs> like, so, okay, uh, okay, let's go with Milo's 22. That's what it sounded like. He guesses 22 people. Yeah. You are way too low. Okay. Milo, I was going to guess, I was going to guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 175. You... Well, you are still way too low, Joe, you idiot. Okay. <laughs> Um, 350. Still way too low. More. 600. Still too low. A thousand people. A thousand people have this in their top four favorite Fuck, movies of all ton. time. That's a ton. That's way more than I expected. I actually want to see Snatch. I don't know how many Snatch had. Snatch has 3,300 in the top four. People love these movies, man. Yeah. We're going to Slevin at Kaleveron. Kalever Kalever Kalevra 1. I don't know. Five stars, 
Fourth Watch, the most quotable film of all time. Adore this to bits, I'm telling you. And then Slevin went on to rate this four more times, all five stars. So Slevin had lots and lots. Because, like, with a thousand people, I'm just like, I got to find somebody who's reviewed it a bunch, who loves it, and we're going from there. So Slevin, whose picture is Scratchy from Itchy and Scratchy, has Lockstock as his third favorite movie of all time. His top four, you can get all of. His number one is a movie I referenced in this episode that is in some way sort of similar to Lockstock. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, number one. Boom. Great clue, dude. On it. Okay. Number two, his number two movie is another British film. Okay. I don't know if this was this guy's first movie or not. Let's see here. No, definitely not. But it's one of his earlier movies. It is a zombie film. British zombie film, not Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Okay, fuck. (laughs) British zombie movie. This guy has made a bunch of films. He's definitely a director you know. We have not covered any of his movies for any of our shows. British zombie movie from the early 2000s, which is a very... I think there might only be one of them. (laughs) That's hard, though. I'm not a big zombie movier. I like... um, what is Dracula? Like vampires? I'm a big vampire guy more well, than yeah, zombies. Twilight, of course you are. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hop on, spider monkey. <laughs> okay, zombie, zombie, British. And not Shaun of the Dead. Fuck, I can't get Shaun of the Dead out of my head. Correct. And it's not like uh, like Dawn of the Dead. Is it Dawn of nope. the Dead? It is a movie that spawned at least one sequel, though. Is there more than one or just one? 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later. I was going to say, in, in honor of Batman, the Batman opening of theaters tomorrow night, it, it stars a past Scarecrow in Cillian Murphy. Okay, cool. And then number four is from 2010. It is, I don't... Mm, I wonder. I would think that this is a lot of people consider this one of the best films of the 2010s. It's from Ooh. a director that we talk about a lot, even though I don't think we've covered any of his movies. Uh, can I take a wild guess? Mm-hmm. Is it like Bong Joon-ho and is it like Snowpiercer? No, but I don't know if these movies have anything in common. I was going to say like, you know, yeah, you're close, but I don't, I don't know that you are close. But <laughs> okay. it's a acclaimed it's a director and a great movie. We have talked about in this episode... Not really talked about, but I have mentioned by name two of his other movies, both from the 90s. And both of those movies have the same star. It's not another Tarantino movie, right? Nope. But you're closer than you were with Bong Joon-ho. You mentioned the Wachowskis? Nope. Not them. In in the back half of this episode, recently, talking about Lockstock, I, I mentioned two of these movies for one or two specific reasons. It's not the movie you're trying to guess. Um, we also... Tom, is it a Tom Cruise movie? Nope. We also talked about this in the Transporter and the Transporter 2 episodes. Weird. because of okay. a, Because of a, a quote from this movie. There is a Spider-Man in this movie. A there, spider <laughs> There is a Spider-Man in this movie. There is a cannibal in this movie playing two roles... That's a is huge it, clue. Is it Split? No. Or Glass or one of these ones? Nope. More acclaimed directed than that. People oh, like M. Night, but they're just like, yeah, I, you know, whatever. I get it, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some M. Night hate out there. 
acclaimed director, one of the best movies of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. I think Somebody... on a lot of lists, it was like this movie and The Tree of Life starring Brad Pitt. And one of the Spider-Mans is in it. Is is there like a Sp- like Spider-Man, the character Spider-Man? Or no, like one, one, of actor, of an... one of the Spider-Man actors is the second star of this movie. Fuck, I don't know. Tobey Maguire. Wrong Spider-Man. <laughs> Andrew Garfield. There you go. Right Spider-Man. 2010. Any of his movies, but none of them. The only one I know is Tick Tick Boom because Rachel's been talking about it, and that's a new one. I, I before I watched Spider Man, Andrew Garfield didn't exist to me, and I watched Spider Man, like the Amazing Spider Mans, this year. What movie does a cannibal play twins in? A cannibal plays twins. I don't know. I've never seen it. A real life cannibal. A real life cannibal. Mm-hmm. Like Hannibal Lecter? Like what? No. Do you not know this story? You you must know the story. No, I don't know the story either. Tell me. I will tell you. I'll try to get you. This is based on a true story, this movie. Over a million people have seen it on Letterboxd. 19,000 okay. people have it in their top four. What else can I give you about this movie? A, a big a big hint. Big hint. Justin Timberlake in this movie. The Facebook? The Social Network. Okay. And a cannibal? Army Hammer plays the Winklevoss oh, twins. Oh fuck, that's right. Sorry. A real life yes, cannibal. Yes, I do. I, a real life cannibal. Oh my god, yes. I was like, there's no way that you have no, you did not know that story. I do, but I told. And you're right. This is this is one that I've gotten wrong a couple times. You're right. People love this movie, and I don't think it's that great. That's the problem. Like, it never resonates with me when you're like, people love this movie. It's so acclaimed, and then I'm like. And I also forget that fucking what David Finch did. David right? Fincher, yep. And the reason David I Fincher mentioned did it, it because he did Seven and he did Fight Club, which I both mentioned because of Brad Pitt around yes, the time yep, of these movies. Yep, so. yep, yep. Great clues. I agree. But I, dude, this, I need to rewatch the Social Network to see what everybody was all hype about. I remember people loving it when it came out. I watched. It, I was like, okay, cool, movie about Facebook. And Justin Timberlake played a cool character for like six minutes, and then like I totally forget that. Everything else about it. I will watch the social network at some point because yeah, it's one of the people just like this is the best movie I've ever seen. I'm just like, I'll, it's, I have the same did issue. Do you have that, the like, same feeling? Well, that I, I did. It's the same thing that I feel about a lot of Fincher's movies. I'm like, I think this is great, and then like it leaves me feeling empty and cold. So like, I don't know. You mean empty and cold because like afterwards, like you don't remember it, or like it no, gives, like it's like, just like, that's it the emotional like, response. It doesn't emotionally it, affect me. Yeah, it does not, or it does, it does give not. you emotional. No. Okay. Because empty and cold could have been the emotion that you got from I think, it. You I know think, what I mean? I think that's like what he's trying to do or whatever, but like, yeah, I don't know. But it doesn't resonate with you. Correct. Well, I don't know. It's just like I think you're going for something that like, yeah, I guess I guess that's a way of saying it. Like it's just whatever you you want me to do or whatever, I'm it's not it's not working for me. It's okay. That was Oh boy, I'd not get this guy's name right. Slevin. Oh, lucky number Slevin. Not in top four. Which is a great fucking movie. By the way, Clever can I get my pitch for Lucky Lucky Number Eleven? Sure. Excellent movie. If you like Lockstock, if you like Snatch, that's a slept on one. I just made Rachel watch it this year, and she also loved it. Great, great, great movie. Really, really, really enjoyed Lucky Number Eleven. Directed by Have Paul you seen McGuy- it? Yeah, a long time ago. If you like these movies, I feel like at the time, Joey of the time that saw it when it came out would have been like too highbrow for it. No, I it loved just, it when it came out. I oh, think. did you? Okay, cool. Yeah. Because it's just Snatch, Lock, Stock, Lucky. It's all the same movie, right? It's just it's, like it's, wacky It's, it's heist. Snatch for like dumb Americans kind of, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But also, in the end, fun, right? Like sure. if you just go into it as fun, it's fun. 
Josh Hartnett, Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, Lucy Liu, Bruce Willis. Lucy Liu, yep, and Bruce Willis, yep. Well, shout out to you once again, Lane Middleton, for yeah, picking Lockstock and for supporting us. Lane, you got another pick. Wait, the Lane? No, Lane is not sending this pick yet. So, Lane, give us your pick for laps 11 or 12, and we'll do that next time. But thank you for making us watch Lockstock. It was enjoyable. Next week, Joe, as teased, as mentioned, Hobbs and Shaw, Deckard Shaw, back from this movie. Ooh, I'm excited. Any other thoughts about Lockstock or anything? No, that was a good one. Thanks, Lane, for uh, picking it. And I know that you probably didn't know that like I hadn't seen it or didn't see it coherently. So I appreciate you putting it into the limelight for my eyeballs. Yeah. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family, at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com and our store, at TooFastTooForever.shop. You missed the pledge drive, but if you subscribe to the Patreon at $5 a month or above, you might be able to twist my arm and Brian's arm, and we might we might mail a DVD to you. We'll find Autographed. out. Autographed. Autographed. Signed DVD. copy. Ooh. Signed copy. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you.